epistle reading from Hebrews, we find, Brethren, all the saints through the faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, received promises, stopped the mouths of lions and quench raging fires, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign enemies to flight. Women received their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release, that they may rise again to a better life. Others suffered mockings and scourgings, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sown in two. They were tempted. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and of goats, destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering over deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though well attested by their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had foreseen something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings to closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfection of our faith. We have often heard it said that talk is cheap. In a true sense, this is correct. All talk and no action is cheap. This is what Jesus meant when he said that those who said, Lord, Lord, and did not do the things that he said would not enter the kingdom of heaven. There is, however, sense in what talk is not cheap. In the days of Christian persecution during the Roman Empire, if a member of the church were asked, Are you a Christian? And he replied, Yes, I am. Then talk was not cheap. He would cost him or her torture and death. Not cheap at all. On the Orthodox Church calendar, the first Sunday after Pentecost is dedicated to the commemoration of all saints. Hence, All Saints Sunday. One of the fruits of Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit to abide in us, is that it creates saints out of ordinary Christians. The Holy Spirit helps the Christian's life to flower into a beautiful life of a saint, a life that shines like a light in the world's darkness and glorifies both God and Christ. <clears throat> One of the fruits of such saintliness is the desire to acknowledge Christ to the world, to confess him as Lord and Savior. The epistle reading spoke about the countless saints and martyrs who confessed before the world and paid an expensive price for that confession. They were stoned, they were sown in two, they were killed with the sword. Let us examine just a few of these martyrs and saints to see how they acknowledged and confessed Christ world. King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon issued a proclamation which said, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, you are ordered to fall down and worship the golden statue. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be instantly cast into the white hot furnace. When 
the trumpet sounded, everyone fell down and worshipped the golden statue, except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Calmly and resolutely, these three young men acknowledged and confessed the one true God. When they were thrown into the furnace, they were not alone. A fourth presence was with them. The God whom they acknowledged and confessed before the king was in the, in the furnace with them, protecting them from the flames. We find that the pictures of these three youths in the fiery furnace painted on the walls of the early catacombs, which gave Christians courage during the persecutions persevere in their witness of Christ. The early Christians in the Roman Empire were required once a year to appear before a statue of Caesar, throw a pinch of incense into the burning flame, and say, Caesar is Lord. It was more a political loyalty test than a religious act. A Christian could have into the flame and say, Caesar is Lord. It was unthinkable for them to confess any other God than Jesus Christ. They wanted the world to know where they stood, whom they worshipped, who was their real God. When the aged Bishop Polycarp of Smyrna was asked to renounce Christ or die, he replied, Eighty and six years I have served Christ, and he has done with me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king who served me? Before he was burned at the stake, he prayed, O Lord God, I thank you that you have graciously thought me worthy of this day and of this hour. St. Polycarp considered it an honor to be chosen to acknowledge Christ as a martyr. Forty soldiers, all Christians, were members of the famed 12th Legion of Rome's Imperial Army. One day their captain told them that Emperor Licinius had sent out an edict that all soldiers were to offer sacrifices to pagan gods. These Christian soldiers replied, You can have our armor and even our bodies, but our heart's allegiance, allegiance belongs to Christ. It was midwinter in the year 320 AD, and the captain had them marched onto a frozen lake. He had them stripped of their clothes, and they would renounce Christ or die. Throughout the night, they huddled together and sang their song, 40 Martyrs for Christ. The temperature took its toll, and one by one they fell to the ice. At last, only one man was left, but he lost courage and he stumbled to shore where he renounced Christ. The officer of the guards had been watching everything. He secretly came to believe in Christ. And when he saw the last man break rank, he walked into the eyes, threw off his clothes, and confessed he was a Christian. When the sun rose the next morning, there were forty bodies on the eyes, each having acknowledged Christ. These are just a few examples of martyrs and saints of the church. Just as the early Christians did not hesitate to acknowledge Christ bravely before the world, so we are called upon to confess Him today. We acknowledge and confess Him publicly every time we recite the Nicene Creed in the Divine Liturgy. 
Christ in the liturgy after the liturgy, which takes place when we leave from this place and go back out into the world. Today it seems that most people are reluctant or embarrassed to talk about God in Christ. We can and do talk about everything else, it seems. It is contrary to what Christ tells us in today's Gospel reading and to the whole tradition of the saints and martyrs throughout the ages who acknowledge and confess Christ with their lips and with their blood. We are greatly strengthened when we acknowledge Christ publicly. It is to our advantage. Matthew 10, 32-33 from today's Gospel says it well. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. These are my prepared remarks. Now we'll see what the Holy Spirit says. We are all destined to be saints of the church. In Paul's epistles, he says to the people as he greets them, My beloved saints, we have the ability to be on the walls of the churches of the future. Why should we just have these icons that we are so familiar with? and not have images of ourselves for the future generations. You have to ask yourself, am I leading a saintly life? When the priest says in the liturgy, the holy gifts for the holy people of God, who is he talking about? You. You are the holy people of God. You are here in his house today, worshiping him, praising Him, asking Him for things you need, thanking Him for things you have received. And so you are holy people. You have to act holy, always. Not only when people can see you, but always. You have to decide, do I want to be in paradise? Do I want to be saved, as our friends say in the Protestant world? Do I want to reach that salvation point? Of course you do. But it's not easy. Many people have the opportunity. Probably few will achieve. Unless, of course, Christ is mercy, compassion, loving, which we know He is. Decide. You don't know when your last day will be on this earth. Prepare every day as if it is your last. Because one day they will bring you into the church in a box. That box will cost $1,000 or $2,000 or $5,000 or even $10,000. But it's still a box. And they will say prayers <coughs> over your body. And the priests will make us cry. And the chanters will make us cry. And the family sitting on the front row will be crying. And their close relatives will be behind and crying. And their friends and neighbors will be crying. 
we will all be in that position one day. No question about that. After we reverently take care of the body, and take it out to some place, and put it into the ground, and say a few more prayers, the body is done. Nothing left. But the soul. Where will that soul be? What is the destiny of that soul? Your soul? Is it going to be in a place where God is, where Christ is, where the Theotokos is, where the saints are, where the angels that are good are, where there's light, no pain, no sorrow, no suffering, only happiness, always, warmth? Or will it be in a dark place, in a cold place, where there's no God, no Theotokos, no Christ, no angels of the good variety? No saints, where there's pain and sorrow and suffering and tears and hunger forever. We have to decide where do we want to end up and then work toward that goal. If you want to be in paradise, act like you want to be in paradise. Think like you want to be in paradise. If you don't care, then don't worry about it. You won't be in paradise. You'll be in hell. And for how long is this hell? Forever. How long is forever, some people ask. What is this eternity, Father? Imagine a pile of sand, one mile high, one mile wide one mile deep and a little bird who must move that pile of sand one grain of time one mile away and start a new pile. So the little bird takes one grain of sand and flies and drops it and comes back. Gets another grain of sand, flies, drops it and comes back, back and forth back and forth until that pile of sand one mile high and wide and deep has been moved one mile over. Is that eternity? No. That is the beginning of eternity. Because as soon as the one pile finishes, that same little bird now must take the sand from this pile and move it one mile over and start another pile. Back and forth. Back and forth. That's eternity. That's hell. If you don't want to be there, then work not to be there. Be holy people of God. Striving daily with prayer, with scripture reading, coming to the church regularly to be with your friends and relatives, praying to God. Then we have a chance at salvation. My prayer is that that threshold is about this tall and I can just step over. But if it's 12 feet high, I'm in trouble.
So let's work to keep it low. Every day, striving for that last day when judgment will occur. Where all the people of the world will gather. Today they say there are 7 billion of us on the planet. The estimate of the scientists is 108 billion people have existed on the planet. And all of them, to this point, and whoever shows up tomorrow and onward, will be judged in one day. All together we will stand. How will you respond when Christ asks, Father Gregorius, what did you do with your time? What did you do with your talents? What can I say? It's over. I can't even defend myself. It will be the same for you. Don't think that you will have an eight-week trial like some politicians recently from the state of North Carolina, where I'm from. There'll be no defense. There'll be no evidence for you. Christ will open the book and go, Ah, Father Gregorius, I don't see your name. Hell. Or, Father Gregorius, I see your name. That quickly it will come. And so prepare yourselves now. Because you won't get any slit the warriors up there. It won't happen. <coughs> prepare yourself. St. Athanasius in the 4th century said, Remember the day of your death, every day, for you will meet your Creator one day. Let us continue the liturgy.